Data-Driven Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Okay, welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you on your journey. I'm your co-host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. Today, we're going to discuss how to use AI for analyzing unstructured customer interaction data. Joining us is George Davis, who is founder and CEO at Frame AI which is a customer experience focused AI platform that sifts through individual conversations with customers to reveal actionable bottom line customer insights. Today, George and I are going to discuss understanding unstructured customer interaction data. Okay, here's my conversation with George Davis, the founder and CEO at Frame AI. George, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here, Dom, thanks a lot. Can you tell us a little bit about customer interaction data what sort of data are you working with at Frame AI, and how can it help us understand our customers better? Sure, sure. So Frame really came about, my own background's in machine learning and AI, but I've always been interested in how we can use computers to better understand human behavior. So the journey for me to building Frame really started from a realization that businesses were finding ways to interact with customers a lot more. I was running a consultancy at the time. We were working on a lot of predictive projects with big data, and it kept coming up again and again that the businesses that we were spending, that we were spending time with were opening up more and more channels for communicating with their customers. And as a result, they were extracting huge amounts and recording huge amounts of information about these very expensive interactions with their customers, expensive for them, expensive for their customers in terms of the time. I just was just fascinated about this from a sociological perspective. Have humans always spent as much time talking with and interacting with businesses and brands as we do now? And the answer is definitely not. When you start looking at the data acquisition patterns, you know, from about 2005 to 2015, which is a while ago now, companies more or less 10x the rate at which they were collecting communication data with their customers. So a huge amount of change in terms of how much time businesses and customers were spending interacting with each other in these unstructured ways. And the thing we ran into is even though this data is being generated and collected, it's usually not being used. It's usually idle data. That's largely because it was very expensive and difficult to analyze. And I can talk a lot about why and how, but we saw this unique opportunity to use the latest developments in natural language understanding to get insight and to actually solve problems with that data. And I guess that's what we'll be talking about today. Awesome. What are some of the examples of this data that's exploded since 2005 that's being created? Sure. So a few major sources of unstructured data. The biggest driver of that explosion is just the advent of the smartphone and it becoming the central part of our lives. It means that businesses and consumers can contact each other at any time and they can interact and consumers choose to do a lot of those interactions unstructured. They might reply quickly to an email. 
They might fill in a field in a survey box that comes in through a website interaction they're having. They might choose to use a messaging platform to interact with the brand. They might initiate calls or take part in Zoom conversations for some types of products. But those types of conversations, emails, chat interactions, survey interactions, messages to support of various kinds have really exploded because of mobile access to customers. That's the primary category that we built Frame around. And what we discovered rather sort of after dipping into those sources was something else that may be a little bit more of a, uh, <laughs> a hot take for your listeners. But we found that a lot of data that people thought of as being structured was actually better viewed as unstructured. And I can explain more about what that means. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that happened during this time is businesses became very aware of the value of the data that they were capturing about their customer interactions. You know, the 100 years ago, most businesses were about sort of their supply chain. What could they produce and bring it to market? They had no real way of knowing and, and keeping track of all of their customers. Now, you know, supply chains are modular and large businesses are much more about the customer interactions that they own and that they understand. And being able to react rapidly and understand what your customers need is a huge competitive advantage for a business. So they started investing in things like data lakes, CDPs, et cetera, just to capture this interaction data. What's a CDP? Ah, yes. Sorry, I dipped into acronym land. So customer data platforms like Segment or Treasure Data or Simon Data, Braze, do a great job of basically being a place where you can dump any event that happens that you want to remember about a customer. So customers visiting your website, browsing an online purchase, making an order, making a call to support, all of these things might store as an event in your data warehouse or data lake or customer data platform, CDP. Businesses got the mandate that this data was valuable and they started storing it well before they knew what they were going to do with it. <laughs> and as a result, many businesses are sitting on huge amounts of data about their customers mm. that were, you know, when it was stored, it was stored in whichever way was convenient. And when it comes time to actually use that data to answer a question, like among my entire customer base, who do I think is going to react best to this new product that I'm developing? When you're trying to answer that question, you might find that a lot of the data you have about your customers isn't well-structured to answer those questions. And so some of the te same techniques that we use to analyze conversations and data that's fundamentally unstructured because mm. it was given to us as text or as audio that, that a customer produced while interacting, even the data that we stored from, <laughs> that gets stored from applications, sometimes it's better to analyze it as if it were unstructured and just say, what can I pick out of this data rapidly using natural language understanding instead of doing a massive data engineering project to try to restructure that data in a way that's going to make it easier to analyze. Okay. Should we approach this from the frame of understanding customer interaction data, so how we analyze it, but uh, should we first tackle how we match these disparate data sources? So one uh, term I keep hearing over and over again, the holy grail for many seems to be single view of customer. We might have uh, right. we might have some unstructured data from Zoom calls. We might have some from customer support tickets. I used to work at a big company and we had all of these different systems, legacy systems. They're not connected. They don't talk to each other. So there's this like untapped gold mine of data. So should we first tackle how we can match up the disparate sources and then perhaps how we can analyze them and use AI to understand our customers better? 
Yeah, that's absolutely a critical part of, you know, making your, I'd say the fundamental question is how do you make your data valuable? Mm. Your customers expect you to know them because they've spent a lot of time interacting with you. How do you make that true? How do you make that expectation a reality? And you're absolutely right. You know, you can't have any personalized understanding of a customer if you can't identify all of the data related to that customer. And so you use single view of customer. I'll mention customer 360, golden profiles, Hmm. depending on which part of the org chart you're in, you may have a different name for this thing. Mm. But what everybody wants is to have a consolidated view of their customer. Mm. There are some great technologies that help do that. So CDPs are one of those. You know, a lot of CDPs like segment customer data platforms will have built-in functions for letting you recognize and merge data sets when you recognize that two accounts you've been interacting with are actually the same person and things like that. We partner with a business called LiveRamp that has a terrific solution for companies with their own first-party data to reconcile and make sure that they can reconstruct and re-identify you know, which records relate to which customers across the data that they already have. That step of knowing at a technical level who your customers are is critical. Absolutely. Where we differ from a lot of the conversation about golden profiles, customer 360, single view of customer, we don't believe that there's any such thing as a perfect view of your customer for your entire organization. It's been held out there as a holy grail, especially under that term customer 360. And we don't think that's true. Your business has silos for a reason. You know, support, product, marketing, sales, They have different views of customers because they have different problems to solve. You need them to be specialists. You need them to be really effective at one understanding a customer in one particular way. And so what we try to do at Frame is say, yes, we're going to consolidate all that data. So at a technical level, there's a single view. But then for each stakeholder, you need to produce only the relevant data. You don't want to drown every team in all of the data that's relevant to everybody. You have to produce what's relevant for a particular situation. And that's what we call data orchestration. And we think that's our holy grail in terms of how businesses can get value out of this data. Okay. So it sounds like you use some out-of-the-box solutions or partner with some other vendors that focus more on that data management and single view of customer stuff. And you're really about perhaps, can I say, telling a story to different stakeholders about what that actually means. Yes. I mean, and to be clear, a lot of that is because most businesses of scale have their own investments in reconciling customer data. And our philosophy at Frame is that we want to, you know, what we're providing is intelligence to add value to the pipelines and interactions with customers you already have. We partner with businesses that do customer identification. And then once that customer has been identified, we index all of the interactions with them in order to produce a view that is relevant to each stakeholder. Okay. Let's talk about those views. So what kind of insights can you get? And can you share some examples of things that you've discovered that have been powerful to your customers? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I'm going to take the risk of starting from sort of a negative example, which is, you know, we have a lot of hard learned lessons, which is natural language and new AI technologies. It's very easy to surprise people with their own data. It's very easy to detect things that they've never had an opportunity to detect before. The problem is nine times out of 10, those insights, while they might be exciting for someone to see in a meeting, businesses don't have any way to act on. So if I go to a support team and I tell them, hey, did you know that all of the customers that are in this particular region are having a usability issue because of a term you used that they misunderstand? If we bring that insight to 
the somebody who's a support manager, they may not have a good way to act on it. They may not even have a good way to prove that it's relevant to the people who can act. So what we always do, what we've learned to always do is work backwards from the business objectives of the teams we're working with. So we need to be able to show, hey, did you know that this usability issue in this particular region is actually a main driver of your ticket volume? And can we turn that into a cost estimation that says exactly how much of your support budget is being spent on these usability issues? And once you do that, once you translate an insight into a business objective that is recognized, then it's easier to move it to a place where someone can take action. So that's how they get priority from a product team or a, a, you know, a marketing team that might address that usability issue. So a really concrete example of that, an unusual one that we ran into, you know, we worked with a business that was a subscription food service, and they were having a very unusual problem when we met with them. They had some of what looked like some of their most loyal customers having an unusual amount of churn. And, you know, when you're a subscription, business like this, you really depend on this idea that after you market, if you produce a high quality product, you can really keep that hard one user for a long time. So one of the worst things that can happen is have people who have graduated into one of these into a phase where you expect them to be with the platform a long time, aging out of it instead. And what we were able to help them understand is by looking at the natural language themes. So we were able to use a technique called semantic clustering. So semantic clustering allows us to detect patterns that you didn't know to expect in advance, even if they're not always using the same words, even if they have typos because of the way they're interacting with you. Newer AIs can be very robust at detecting these themes. And the theme that we detected that was a really big prediction of this was really counterintuitive. It was actually people who were talking about having too much food, getting too much out of the subscription service. Users were filling up and it was prompting them to wonder, hey, am I on the right plan? Is this for me? Am I overpaying for this? Even though they were extremely happy with the product and they were actually getting more than they asked for. And being able to show what that was impacting in terms of the actual churn statistics allowed them to take some actions across the company to address it. So on the, from a marketing level, they were able to, for their loyal customers, begin talking about how they could share data. They would even send packages that helped how they could share product. You know, if, if you have too much, here's a gift bag to give some of the product to a friend. And they were able to change and subtly personalize parts of the user experience to make it easier to pause instead of cancel a subscription and so on. And that had a dramatic effect on their overall retention rates. So we like that example with something where support data, which is normally viewed as only a cost center, became the solution to what was really viewed as a company-wide problem about retention. Mm, that's a great example. Just jumping into solution mode, it sounds like the obvious solution to me is just to downsell them, like maybe they're on the wrong plan. Was that explored? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly was explored. And I think what's fun is once you're in the solution mode, there's all of these trade-offs, right? In their case, there was trade-offs of how long would it take to do that? And of course, there were reasons you can imagine that if you're also working with the logistics of delivering product, it can be much more effective to deliver at least some minimum amount than to have the same amount of packaging around a smaller amount of food. And we actually, on a very related issue, I'll, I'll say another somewhat different issue that we helped the same business with, you know, one of the major sources of complaints for those logistics was highly localized to different regions at a time. And it was about packaging issues and delivery issues. And what happens is if you're running a business like this, you end up contracting with many, many different vendors to run the last mile of logistics to deliver your product. 
And not all of those vendors keep up the same level of quality all the time. And so we were able to help them identify clusters where in a particular period of time in a particular region served by a particular vendor, there were a heightened number of issues. And they were able to turn that into a vendor accountability index where they were able to say contractually, hey, if we receive more than this number of complaints in this time, there's consequences for the relationship. So being able to set up those feedback loops where the things customers tell you actually impact the rest of the operations of the business in an automatic way is is another type of win that you can get out of this data. Okay, these are great examples of the value. Can we, we just check the other advantages and dangers of using AI? Just note to the editor, I'm just thinking here. Um, yeah, it shouldn't overlap too much. How do you feel about just going a little bit now into the how? We've seen how uh, we've seen the value we can get from this unstructured customer data. What do you guys do <laughs> to get these insights? What's really interesting, I think what we do is building a bridge. And I'm going to build that from both sides for you by talking about it first from the ground up technically, and then what the customer experiences of this, because it's Anytime you're trying to solve human problems with technology, you better be willing to think in both directions. So from a technological perspective, Frame is essentially a very smart pipe. What we do is we connect to various places where people already store customer data. So it might be their help desk, their contact center, their community platform, if they run an online community, social channels they use, you know, even team chat, if they're a B2B business, they might use to communicate. We have connectors that jump into any channel where you communicate with customers or create profile data about those customers and basically scan the data that's there and index it for analysis. In each of those records, so in those you've got chat transcripts, recordings of phone calls, emails, etc. In each of those records, Frame uses large language models to basically tag at a very granular level different signals that we detect in that data. So in a profile, in a customer profile, we might detect something like, oh, they're from their their title is this. We're going to register that as a VIP title, right? If they're the vice president of operations, et cetera. So you might have a signal model that detects that in your profile data. In conversations, we'll have models that detect specific moments like, oh, here's a sentence where they made a complaint about the packaging of the product. Oh, here's a sentence where they brought up having too much food in their freezer, right? From our previous example. Those models, some of those are pre-built by us. So we have models that face very common support concerns, product concerns, vertical specific things in e-commerce, healthcare, et cetera. So we have many different model packages that detect those signals. But also a lot of times we are working with customers to either automatically detect the signals, like these, those examples that I gave you were cases where clustering was the technique where we were able to find some, a pattern that they didn't know to look for. Or in some cases, businesses have existing taxonomies where they really already know that they want to identify these competitors or these product areas and so on. And so we'll, we'll create the signals that map to those. Once you have all of this data connected and labeled with these signals, you're still not really ready to solve any problems because guess what? Signals are noisy. And this is a place where I think we differentiate a lot from there are a lot of off-the-shelf AI tools that you can use to begin to label your data. And I encourage people to experiment with those and play with those. It'll give you an idea of what's out there, what you might be missing. But if you're actually going to turn that into solving a business problem, especially if it's an operational, like our vendor accountability index, right, where you want to be reliably checking on this in a, on a daily or monthly or weekly basis, 
then you need to aggregate those signals into something that's more reliable and is a better metric. And that's, we have a scoring layer where we can take all of the signals that came in for a particular vendor, for a particular customer, for a particular segment of customers. We take those signals and we apply sort of a weighting to them to create indexes that are, they can serve purposes like overall predicted CSAT or predicted retention term prediction. If it's applied to an individual record, you can use it to predict an escalation of, of a customer service conversation and so on. That scoring layer and using many signals helps get rid of some of the noise. It separates the sort of insight from the data. And it also is a place where you can aggregate for something that someone can actually act on. So if we aggregate all of the signals for a particular product area and create a score, that's the product friction score. Now we have something that's useful for a particular product manager. This is back to that golden view for that one particular user. So that's the pipeline is basically connect to the data, label it with signals, combine those signals into scores that address specific and measure specific business outcomes that people care about, either measure or predict. From a customer perspective, the whole thing works in reverse. We have to start from talking to businesses about what the business outcomes they care about are. And then it's a question of identifying those signals that are most relevant to those outcomes and being able to show them that, yes, we can track and see how this outcome has evolved and what's driving it in different cases around your customer data. And once you can show somebody that, once, once, you're, once a team sees that the business problem they already cared about can be addressed with the data that they already have, then they get creative. Then they think of all of the operational solutions back to what we were talking about, right? The solution step like, oh, should we change the product line? Should we do more marketing? Should we make the personalized website experience? I love that moment because if you're there, then you know you're going to get to value. We want people to be creative in all of the different places this insight can be used. And we will push that into whatever tools they already work with so that they can act on the insight there. Nobody comes into frame to spend time. They come into frame learn things, and then they configure us to push data into where they already work so that they can make it part of their daily life. Thank you for sharing. Okay. So if I can sum up understanding customer interaction data, first of all, there's just loads of it out there. It's exploded uh, 10x between 2005 and 2015. There's all this unstructured data. Lots of businesses aren't getting value from it. So what they need to do is pull it into some sort of location where they can match it up and then where you guys can help or where they may do this themselves is using large language models, using other models like clustering to understand that data and doing it in a way that always comes back to what are we actually trying to solve? It's not good enough for it to simply be interesting. We want to be able to measure something that's eventually going to lead to an outcome. And then when we get there, that's basically the fun part. Only then are we ready to start brainstorming, problem solving, coming up with ideas. Maybe my idea was pretty bad of downselling them, but whatever the ideas are. And then <laughs> that's how we can uh, make some money from the whole thing. Yeah, no, you, you, you make it sound simple, which is a, a value. <laughs> gift. Maybe this is a good time to talk about all the things that can go wrong. <laughs> this is a perfect segue into our next episode. The, uh, is that about the dangers of using AI for the same analysis? That's the dangers. So let's get into that. So I'll uh, just do the little outro and then let's talk about the dark side. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to George Davis, founder and CEO at Frame AI for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, 
George and I are going to discuss the advantages and dangers of using AI to analyze data. If you can't wait till our next episode and you'd like to learn more about George, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at George B. Davis, or visit his company website at frame.ai. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening on this podcast, head on over to datadrivenpod.com, where we've got summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to compare your most compelling use cases with data, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. You can always reach out to us on social media. Our handle is StoryIQ on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is at Bohan Dominic. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember when it comes to data, less is more.